The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. I love a house renovation show as much as the next person and I just love Hugh Wallace. So I was very excited to see the return of the Great House Revival which features houses across the country this season including a castle on the verge of collapse in County Wexford but this week's episode in fact tonight's episode heads to County Leash and Stradbally a place a lot of us will know for Electric Picnic and this week we hear the story of Mary Rose Simpson uh, who has over 280,000 followers on TikTok and the story of her County Leash home and she is going to chat to me this morning about it. How are you Mary Rose? Hi Orla, not bad, how are you? I'm very well, how are you feeling about tonight's the night for your show? Are you, are you going to have a party or what are you doing? Um, I, I really have, I don't know still, Um, there's definitely, there's a lot of emotion, there's nervousness, Um, all of the the kind of the, the trills and, and the the dilemmas that come along with the, the renovation are, are fast approaching yet again, so I feel like I've relived through all of it again. And have you seen um, the episode yet? I haven't. Ooh. I'm not allowed to watch it. <laughs> okay. So I wonder, because you're the one there experiencing all those, it'll be interesting to see how it's put out on television, won't it? Yeah, exactly. And I suppose that's a certain amount of letting go as well mm. to it, that you're you're allowing somebody in uh, um, and they have a perspective and they have a narrative that they, they put on it. Like I'm very used to like, you know, taking my own um, videos for TikTok, etc., and uh, create my own narrative. So it'll be really interesting to see like from somebody else's perspective. Um, but yeah, the the crew and the director were amazing. So I I I'm full um, trust and um, I'm I'm fine with whatever okay. goes out. Good stuff. <laughs> Once you have a glass of prosecco in your hand, you'll be fine. <laughs> or chocolate. Chocolate, <laughs> even better. Now, and I suppose the house is very personal to you. But before we we talk about the story of the house. As I was saying at the start, like a lot of us know Electric Picnic and Stradbally and that's why we know Stradbally. And you are there right on the main street of Stradbally, isn't that right? Right on the main street, yeah. Um, and those that go to the family camping will walk right past <laughs> my house like this year. Um, and uh, all the other years it's been boarded up. So this year there'll be a, a fresh take on it, which wow. will be nice. So have you ever lived in this house? I have never lived in this house. This has been my grandmother's house um, um, for as long as I, I remember. Um, it's where my dad grew up as well. Um, so, And then there's over four generations of the Simpsons as well that wow. have lived here. So it's um, it's a house that's near and dear. And uh, yeah, it's lovely. It's been boarded up for the last 10 years. Okay. Um, so it's lovely to, to, to put some new life into it. And did you grow up around the area? Yeah, I actually um, live two doors down from it. So my granny um, and and our garden are connected at the back. So um, we're we're very close um, okay. when I was younger. OK, so why did you make the decision to renovate this house and it to become your home? Um, well, first of all, it was left to me my, by my grandmother. Mm. Um, and then I went through all the process of, of getting it into my name after, after all of that, like capital acquisition taxes and all of that. I feel a fully grown adult after going That's through that process. Very much adulting. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I suppose people will wonder as well, um, you know, um, it, it skipped a generation as well. Um, so my, 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 my dad grew, 
um, passed away when I was younger. Okay. Um, he had terminal cancer. Um, so he, 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 um, he died when I was around 12. So um, this is the house that he grew up in. Um, and it's also the last kind of like morsel of my dad in the sense that um, he had no brothers and sisters and mm-hmm. his family on, on the Simpson side was very small. So this house is very much of what's left. And I feel very, I, I've always felt drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's, I think dad loved innovation. He loved change. He loved improving and uh, he renovated our own family home as well. Um, and this originally was meant to be my mom and my dad's house Mm -hmm. he was renovating the other house for my grandmother and they were going to swap but in the end my grandmother said no no you live in that you put your own stamp on it you live there I'll stay where I am so the fact that I'm kind of in a house as well that was meant to be destined for my parents but was never meant to be it's nice that oh kind of feels like part of it is gifted to my dad Mm -hmm. from my dad as well kind of feels full circle yeah it does yeah so what was the house like when you started? I'm just after a house build, so I feel I'm talking to my soul sister here. What was the house? <laughs> we won't talk about prices. What was the house um, like before you started? Was there a lot um, of work involved? There was a lot of work involved. And I think people get a big shock um, on what I actually end up doing um, in terms of how you know, how I take it on or how my builder takes it on, I okay. suppose. Um, but yeah, to, to describe the house, it was um, my Nana um, loved um, colour, pattern, um, you know, everything. Like I would describe the hall as a psychedelic pink wallpaper. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, so that's gone. Okay. <laughs> um um, and I hope to breed my own colour and kind of signature onto the house as well. It hasn't reached its final, I suppose, destination. But, you know, we're we're only here a couple of months yet. So um, there's still loads to be done. And when did the idea of applying for the Great House Revival come into your head? Um, so it never did. Oh. <laughs> um, it um it actually happened so this house again near and dear to my heart um before it was even in my name and before I even started on anything I decided to clear it out because again it had so many like things in it photographs and um you know things I had never seen in my life or going through books that my dad had or mm. things like that and it was um somebody had to clear out the house um and uh, I took it upon myself to do that um, with the promise that hopefully it was going to be mine. Um, and um, it was true that that I felt uh, I felt very sentimental about it. And I was like, these are kind of days that I'll never get back. And it was just me in the house at that time. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a cold and drafty, dark building. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was sitting on the floor and I was like, you know, my heart was pouring out of finding like, you know, my dad's signature on something mm. or a poem that he wrote mm. or something like that. And and I wanted to capture all of that. So I created a secret Instagram account that was completely um, anonymous. And I just shared kind of how I was feeling about this process and it was never meant to be like a home renovation house or anything it was more of a scrapbook to to kind of uh time capsule these feelings and these emotions Mm -hmm. um 
and it was the producers that found the account and they reached out to me um and uh yeah the rest is history were you a yes yes. straight away did you think or did you have to think Um, about it well, I, I, like, it was like a, a DM, like, into my account, like, mm. and I was like, they were asking who the account owner was, and I was very, like, much like, oh, I'm not telling any, anybody, and because, again, I have a big following on my other social media platforms. Mm. I wanted somewhere that it was completely mine, and it wasn't, like, this glamour or, like, forced kind of side to Instagram. I just wanted it to be very raw and like didn't have to worry about who was listening or who was reading okay. um and I don't think I'll ever share share that side of like that page or anything like that but um yeah um I uh, I think I can very much seal that and time capsule that for what it is and yeah, this is just it. another side to it so I said yes to it in the sense that it was never going to be connected to that Instagram account it was just uh it was going to be its own narrative and its own its own thing and what did it add to your experience then being part of a television series like Great uh, House Revival? Was it the expertise or did it give you different ideas? Are, are, are things different than you thought they would be with renovating your granny's house? Yeah, like I, I think it even like it gave me all of that, but also it gave me a sense of hope as well. Because um, you have to remember that um, I suppose COVID was in the last two years. Mm. Um, there was a lot of unknowns and there was a lot of um, kind of uh, new normals and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I, I didn't go out. I didn't do anything. I didn't see my friends. I didn't see my family um, and all of that. And, and you know, the crew was coming like once or twice um, every month or every two months. And it was such a, a celebration of like, you know, the house. But also I felt like they had they had great hope for me and I had hope for you know you know the manifestation of what I wanted to to happen and it nearly spurred me on as well because I think we all had dark and dreary days during COVID whereas these were my little days of like dressing up and putting on my my best clothes and my best makeup and, and just like just just showing up as my best my best version of myself as well and, and thinking of my future not trying to think of like you know covid and mm. the pressures and where where everything was going to go this was the one sense of yeah let's let's just put everything into this right now and see where it, where it goes and tell us how is the great man himself Hugh Wallace <laughs> Hugh has uh, Hugh is the most amazing person I've ever met he's oh. he's He's so lovely. Um, he was such um, um, a great sense of inspiration, knowledge, and um, um, gave me the confidence as well. I think, um, I think anyway, with the the kind of the start to the end, I've grown up a lot as well um, in the process. Like, because you're very innocent to the fact um, of what you're what you're embarking on. So it's a lovely journey of kind of like. Um, building your own confidence and you know negotiation and speaking talking to talk and um you know it's it, it the book start the, the you know the book starts with you and ends mm. with you the builder comes to you for every decision and everything like that so I really enjoyed that whole project management side of things and yeah like you know the the as you'll see at the end like you know what what I ended up getting is absolutely fabulous and I I'm absolutely so happy um, and I think it's um, the best and bravest thing I've ever done in my life. 
Well, tonight is the night, 9.30 on RT1, the Great House Revival. Um, if people want to check out you, of course, you're on TikTok, as you said, with over 280,000 followers. Um, what, what do you think makes you so big on TikTok? I'm always so intrigued by TikTokers. <laughs> what is it about you? What's well, your so, unique selling point? It's so funny because um, the, sa- the, the same time I blew up on TikTok and went viral, um, the Great House Revival reached out to me as well. Okay. Um, so it was so funny. It was like I, I, I um, something aligned or something like that. Um, but um, I don't know if you ever remember, but it starts with Electric Picnic. Um, I, fa- I, I had a video of me and um, I find a random piece of glass. Okay. Um, and in the crowd above, uh, in front of me is a guy dancing at the main stage and he turns around and he has half his glass oh. missing. And I go up to him to see if it actually fits. Um, and I cut the video like in two, like come back in 24 hours. Oh, a real and TikTok the thing. Went mad. Yeah. <laughs> the world went mad for it. Um, it has over 23 million wow. um, um, views on it. Um, and it, it, it uh, like I signed uh, kind of, um, I, I sold the rights to it and everything. Like wow. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to go check that out. Uh, that is Mary Rose Simpson on TikTok. But if you want to check out uh, Mary Rose and her house and you even have a picture on your Instagram of that pink wallpaper of your grannies and a carpet on the stairs that I have definitely seen in a house before. And <laughs> um, if you just search Mary Rose Simpson, that's where you'll find her. Oh, listen, enjoy tonight. How gorgeous to sit down with your friends and family and watch the great house revival. And for a house that's so important to you, Mary Rose, it was so lovely to talk to you this morning. Thank you so much, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, the Mokrana Firma Mr. Personality Festival returns after a two-year break thanks to the pandemic. It's the 15th Mr. Personality Festival and it runs at the Spring Hill Court Hotel in Kilkenny City next Sunday. So this day week uh, to tell us more and to see what makes a Mr. Personality, Lisa Marie Walsh joins me this morning. I love this title, Mr. Personality. I don't know why. You don't really hear about Mr. Personality, do you, when it comes to men? No, and I suppose that's where the idea came from. Like, most of these competitions are aimed towards the ladies. So mm. we thought that, you know, it would be nice to have one within Mocker for the men, just so that we can showcase some of the lovely men that we have in Ireland. <laughs> and I suppose the whole beauty contest, it's, you know, it's a little bit 1980s, isn't it? Whereas talking about someone's personality is always more important. Yeah, and I suppose, look, what what we, we're looking for is generally an all-rounder and someone that gets on with people, you know. Um, I suppose it's not based on people's looks or anything like that. We're, we're looking for someone who, who is a nice person, has a good personality and is just down to have a good weekend and to enjoy the festival. Yeah, because your last Mr. Personality from 2019, what's his name? Um, so that's John Martin Carroll. He's actually the Kerry representative. So his photo, he just looks like really good crack. Yeah. Oh, very good fun. Very good fun. And John Martin Carroll <laughs> was absolutely face. delighted when he won. <laughs> he definitely looks like he knows how to have a good time. And he's going yeah, yeah. to be at the festival, is he? Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he'll be there for the weekend and um, he'll be hanging out with our contestants for this year. 
and keeping an eye on them and then we'll be passing over the title hopefully to Mr Personality 2022 and a title that he has held for what three years at this stage yeah he's the longest reigning Mr Personality (laughs) that we've ever had (laughs) I love it okay let's talk what makes a good Mr. Personality. I had a look at your application form and you're asking things about people's embarrassing moments. You're asking for baby pictures. What are you looking for? I suppose, look, it's just we try to get a good picture of um, the contestants before they come to Kilkenny. So we do get some photos of them as kids, some current photos. We ask them to describe themselves in three words. And we ask them what their guilty pleasures are. So we do get some strange ones in. Um, we do get ones like, you know, I enjoy the odd takeaway or I enjoy watching Dancing with the Stars. Or you might have some more ones that couldn't be read out in radio. But okay. um, yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's a bit of crack with the application forms. And just to try, you know, get to know the lads, I suppose, on paper before they come down for the weekend. And are they all farmers if they're in Mokrana Firma? No, 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 not necessarily. Um, some of them have absolutely nothing to do with um with farming. Um, they are all Mokra members. Um, but you don't necessarily have to be a farmer to to um be a Mokra member. Okay, so like they're doing all types of jobs, then are they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had everything from mechanics to technicians. You know, we we do have some farmers as well. Um, but we've had a wide variety a variety of people over the years. Okay, and they're all single, Lisa Marie, are they? Well, no, I I wouldn't say that. No, there might be a few of them single, all right, but um, it's not uh, it's not, it's not mandatory that you have to be single to, to enter. Okay. And is there an age factor as well in there? Do they have to be up to um, a certain yeah, age? Yeah, so generally between eighteen and thirty five. Okay. Now we did um up the age limit this year um just because with the two years obviously we had contestants from twenty twenty who still wanted to take part this year. So we have upped it to 40 now, but generally with Mocker members, it's from 17 to 35. But with the weekend and Mr. the Mr. Personality Festival, you have to be 18 to take part. OK. And, you know, did they ever tell you why they decided to take part? Did someone push them into doing it or what was the well, motivation? I suppose, look, it, it could be a case that they're, they're pushed into it. But I suppose, look, what... Pe- people love to come to Kilkenny and it's a great spot Mm. and like it's a great weekend to meet people and like I mean we could have over a thousand people in the Spring Hill Court Hotel in Kilkenny for that weekend so um, it's a great opportunity to get get to know people from all over the country. That's brilliant Um, and full details of the festival which is next Sunday are on Mr Personality's Facebook page if you just check Mr Personality Kilkenny I put in Mr Personality and it was not it was not Mr. Personality okay. Kilkenny. So make sure you put Kilkenny in there as well. So let's let's whittle it down. I was looking at it. You're putting up the contestants every so often uh, on the Facebook page yep. so people can get to know them. I just saw one person from the southeast and that was from Tullow. But you're saying there's some yep. more people from around the southeast in the contest this week. Yep. So we have Mr. Carlo, uh, which is Sean O'Byrne. He's from Tullow. Okay. And then we have Mr. Waterford. That's Connor Lynch. He's from Kinsale Beg, Makra. And we have Mr. Southtip, which is Sean Fanning. He's from Golden Vale, Makra. And Miss, Mr. Northtip, which is Martin Jared Gleeson. He's from Nina, Makra. And then we have our own representative, Mr. Kilkenny, which is Owen Kennedy from Callan, Makra. Lovely. Did you say there was a Mr. Wexford in there now? We don't have a Mr. Wexford, unfortunately, this okay. year. Okay. Poor old Wexford. So yeah. what happens on the night? What can people uh, expect at the festival? 
Well, I suppose, look, on the Friday night, we have the contestants come to the hotel around six o'clock. Um, they meet with our new MC for this year, which is Miss Claire Enriquez, and they meet with our three judges. Um, so our judges for this year, we have Siobhan Woods, who is the head HR at Simplify HR, and she's also a past um, Mr. Personality Committee member. Okay. We have Jamie Flannery, who is uh, the Rose of Tralee Escort of the Year from 2019, right. and he's also a past participant in the festival. Okay. And then we have Hannah Quinn Mulligan. Um, the journalist and radio reporter and they'll get to meet those on the Friday night and then we have the on-stage interviews so um, the Mr. P's will uh, do an on-stage interview and then we have music by uh, the Waxies and DJ till late on the Friday night Okay. and then on the Saturday morning the boys will be up early and they have their private interviews with the judges and then they go to take part in contestant challenges and Kilkenny, Mocker and Affirma are also hosting the annual Hurling and Camogie competition in uh, St. Kieran's, so they'll be out at that as well. Mm. And then they come back in in the afternoon, have a little bit of chill time. Um, there'll be photos with the sponsors and then we'll start the informal banquet. And then we have music by Juices Wild and DJ Till Late and our Mr. P 2022 will be announced at 12 midnight. Okay, so Friday and Saturday and my bad, not this yep. day week, it's Friday and Saturday of next week. Yep. And anyone can book tickets, can they? Yeah, so now anyone can book tickets. The um, delegate packs to stay in the hotel have actually been sold out okay. since 2020. Um, but you can buy afters tickets for the Friday or the Saturday night on the door. Or if you wish to attend the informal banquet on the Saturday night, tickets can be booked by contacting Lydia in the Spring Hill Court Hotel. Okay, good stuff. And you can go to the Spring Hill Court Hotel website, yep. which is springhillcourt.com. It sounds like great crack. You know, it'll be great for an owl hen. You know, although you yeah. probably don't want to see a hen having the crack at your festival, do you? No, it's it's a great weekend. This this is my sixth year doing this. And I have to say now it is definitely one of the highlights of the calendar. Brilliant. It, it sounds so great. It's the Mr. Personality Festival from Kilkenny's Mokra Nafirma. It is on next weekend, Friday and Saturday at the Spring Hill Court. And they are at springhillcourt.com. But probably the best place to go for all the details is the Mr. Personality Kilkenny Facebook, which is simply Mr. Personality Kilkenny. I'm putting my hand up for any judging in the future. OK, mm-hmm. if you need a judge We'd in the future, you, Lisa Orla. Marie, I will be so happy to do that. You know, I can pick out your <laughs> personality in a heartbeat. Thanks a million for chatting to me this morning. No, thanks for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's a Sunday morning here on Beat 102-103 and you, of course, are listening to The Sunday Grill. Well, last time he was on, he told us all about his pet ferret. Now, Dr. Bobby Ortez, a.k.a. Dr. Bob, vet and pet mania ambassador, joins me to chat bunnies because we're on the countdown to Easter, of course. It's in two weeks. Uh, Let's talk about those furry carrot-eating mammals and if they could be a better option than a cat or a dog in your household. Dr. Bob, or Dr. Bob, as his Instagram grows, joins me this morning. Welcome back to the Sunday Grill. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, your ferret is no more, isn't he? You no longer have a pet ferret. Yes, no, that was a few years ago, unfortunately, yeah. Okay, how long do they live for? Oh, ferrets can live upwards of six to ten years sometimes, yeah. Okay. Now, full confession here, Dr. Bob, rabbits give me the heebie-jeebies. They really... Do they? Yeah, I just don't... Yeah, they feel funny when you pick them up. You expect them to be a bit less 
spindly or something. They're quite bony. Yeah, hmm. yeah, they are full. I mean, they're full of muscle as well. You kind of think that they look quite soft, and but they are quite. They actually quite are quite strong and uh, definitely right. You can feel their bones and stuff like that because they're they're quite lean generally. Yeah. Yeah. Why do they make a good pet? Now. Absolutely, I think actually that they really they, they really make great pets. They're probably the I think in the world they're probably the third uh, uh, most uh, animal kept as a pet there. Um, okay. and, uh, Is it a dog really, number one and cat number two? Uh, I presume exactly, okay. exactly. Parrots are number. Uh, it depends on the country, three or four. Okay. Um, but rabbits usually kind of yeah. But rabbits tend to have that third kind of spot there. Um, I, I think they make amazing pets because generally. I think, look, the, the, the entrance to it there is is they're relatively inexpensive uh, animal. They're small, so they don't take up huge amount of space, like a large dog or something like that. And their food and everything like that is quite easy. Um, they're obligate herbivores, so that they have to, they pretty much, you know, people always make fun of like salads. They're pretty much eating salads, but their main diet is hay. Um, okay. And then they get a little bit of uh, kind of pellet food uh, once or twice a day. And water, that's kind of the only thing that they need. Okay, no pellets. Um, no, but generally not. Like, it's something I think that we think that they get, but it's actually, there's not much nutritional value in the carrots. And uh, really, the most important thing for uh, a rabbit there is hay. Really, they should be, you should feed them eating their hay all day long. Really, that's what makes them happy. Okay. Are they a pet that needs a pow? Um, they, they do. They can. Um, they can get on on their own, and, and they can get on with other other. Uh, uh, other pets as well, not just even uh, rabbits, but I have loads of clients there that have dogs, cats, and even ferrets that all live uh, kind of uh, in synergistic and uh, in harmony there. Um, one common thing I see often, actually, is people have guinea pigs with their rabbits, which actually isn't uh, the best thing due to some other kind of diseases they can spread between the two of them, but you see it quite often where rabbits and guinea pigs are actually kept together. Another pet that gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> It's just strange. Um, do rabbits literally breed like rabbits? Yes, they do. Um, okay. and that obviously, the name suits them because uh, I've, I've had, again, unfortunately, more than I would like in clients that have gotten new bunnies. Uh, they told that they're both girls or both boys, and it turns to be a boy and a girl. And then very soon after getting them, within months we're talking, that they now have six bunnies or even more. Um, so they reproduce very, very quickly. And almost as soon as the female bunny gives birth, she's uh, able to conceive again. Wow. So that's why even uh, even when people initially find to go, oh, no, my female bunny had rabbits, their female bunny is then pregnant again. Um, so it can be very, very quick. And we're talking anywhere from four to six months of age that they can uh, give birth. Okay. And are they affectionate? They can be, yeah. It does take, I mean, they are small. They're a prey animal. So I mean, that they're, you know, used to things uh, coming down and swooping and attacking them and eating them. Um, but it does take uh, a bit of time to get them, just like any animal, I think, uh, training and getting them used to being uh, uh, carried and, and pet and stuff like that. So I, they actually can be very, very affectionate. They, they tend to be quite more solitary on their own, but they do make, uh, you know, for amazing pets when they're handled very well. And where do people usually keep them when they have them as pets? Are they indoors or...? Do they have yeah, a bush outside? Or? Yeah, both. You would have, you know, you definitely have people that would have good enclosures kind of outside. Um, definitely, at least in Ireland, when it does get a bit cold, you know, in the winter months, it is recommended to try to bring them inside or if you're able to have a hutch that can be heated. Um, well, they do would normally live outside, you know, when they're kind of stuck in an enclosure, if it's not the right temperature for them, mm. you know, if it's not warm enough, they can get sick. Um, you know, uh, but you see lots of, you know, uh, indoor enclosures in large areas. 
uh, that can be kept for them. Um, it is important to know that sometimes people get little tiny kind of cages for rabbits, and it's not great. Um, you know, they should have kind of a large kind of enclosure they can kind of run around in and, and are let out, uh, you know, but just like your dog or your cat, you know, they need to get their exercise, just like ourselves, you know, I need to get out and stretch the legs a bit. And speaking of that, the indoors versus outdoors, would you mainly push for pets to be indoors? Um, I think, it, to be honest, I think it really depends. I, you know, I do think that, you know, as a vet, speaking as a vet, you know, indoor animals, they're usually closer, you know, with the owners. So, you know, when they bring them in, they usually have a better idea of what's going on, on how they're eating, you know, how they're going to the toilet, if they hear them coughing, even things like that. But, you know, I think that there's been plenty of people and plenty of clients that I, you know, do trust that, you know, to have really good care for their pets including rabbits, and have really nice enclosures set up outside. So I think as long as the, you know, the good intention is there and that, you know, the animal welfare is most important, is being watched out for, I do think that animals can get on very well outside. But as a vet, I think, uh, look, uh, you know, I think we have pets to be a part of our lives and mm-hmm. part of our family. So I think inside is always best. Okay. So you're going away for two weeks to Tarmelinas. What do you do with the rabbit? Absolutely. So... You're going away. You either have to, just like a dog or a cat, um, maybe some cats, they just don't wander around. Mm. But, uh, you know, just like that, you need to have a minder. You know, you either have a family member, a friend who's experienced with rabbits, or there actually are uh, quite a few different businesses that offer rabbit boarding, you know, oh, just like good. your kennel and stuff like that. So there's lots of options for that. And you do want to make sure that, you know, it is someone who's experienced with rabbits because they're not like a dog or a cat, you know, um, and they can get stressed and they, they show things very differently than we'd be accustomed to in a dog or a cat. Uh, so you want to have someone who's experienced that's kind of minding them and watch them for you while you're away. Okay. Um, last time you were on with us, you talked about, you know, a, a pet having to suit someone's lifestyle. And that's why how we got talking about the ferrets, that they're a good <laughs> indoor pet. They can spend yeah. a lot of time on their own. What sort of household would a rabbit suit? Yeah, that's actually a great question because, you know, I, I do think that they, they kind of a, a variety. You know, I have a couple clients, quite a few clients that, you know, live in smaller apartments. Mm. But, you know, in those kind of cases there, you know, where you are talking about your limited space that, you know, a large dog can't run around in, uh, you know, a smaller apartment would be perfect for a rabbit to be able to run around in, you know, as long as they're, you know, uh, given that time to, to run around, you know. So, you know, as you said, you know, I do think very similar to probably like ferrets, like we talked about, that, you know, for people who are, you know, working um, that aren't able to, you know, spend the dedicated loads of time to getting a dog out for a walk. Um, you know, I think rabbits make excellent pets as long as they're given enough space to exercise on their own. You know, they would need to get out for, you know, a couple hours a day, but that doesn't have to be outside in a park. That can be mm. just while you're, you know, getting ready for bed. They're able to kind of uh, run around the place. It is important that, um, you know, to know that rabbits do like to chew on things. So that is uh, something that we see is that, you know, cables and uh, wires and stuff like that need to be, you know, rabbit-proofed around the house. But, as you know, loads of people that have what we call free-roaming rabbits, that they're trained properly. They actually can be litter-trained like a cat, so they know where to go to the toilet, you know, in certain spots. Uh, so there's lots of things that can be done to, you know, even in smaller households to make rabbits an excellent option. Okay. Okay, uh, some good stuff there. Um, you, of course, Dr. Bob is a ambassador for Petmania, and Petmania have a lovely section on rabbits as well. If you want to check out their website, it's petmania.ie. And Dr. Bob is on Instagram. I'm a little bit addicted to your Instagram because I like, <laughs> I like the nitty gritty, and you put up a lot of your operations and things like that. <laughs> And I find myself quite intrigued by the stuff that can happen to animals and how you operate on them. So if you're like me, 
and uh, you like watching stuff like that. Well, that's uh, Doctor Bobby Ortez. But you, you, it's not for the faint-hearted, is it? Um, not, not always. I do try to. I, I like to use that as a way to kind of give you guys, uh, give clients, uh, you know, a kind of a, a, a view into what happens yeah. behind the scenes. Because well, I think a lot of people kind of animals eat is crazy. <laughs> oh yes, that is something that. <laughs> Uh, yes, even today, I'm in clinic today, and already we've got two or three cases of, oh, they could have eaten this or that, so absolutely. Wow. What's the weirdest thing that you've seen an animal that you've had to operate on, take out of its stomach? Oh, I think I've had two where I don't understand why dogs and cats do this, but um, threading needles. <gasps> no idea why, wow. but I've removed myself probably two or three in the last year. Wow, I'd say that yeah. causes a lot of damage on the way down as well. Exactly. You, you, to be honest, be surprised. They tend to, I don't know how they know, they swallow it straight down, but once it gets to the stomach, we have to we only have a matter of time to get it out wow god what a what an amazing <laughs> job you have well dr bob ortez is on instagram not just the operations a lot of cute animals up there as well and some lovely information too dr bob thanks a million for joining me this morning thanks for having me the sunday grill on beat 102-103 well plan international ireland have been sharing where the irish donations for their urgent ukrainian appeal have been helping children fleeing from their invaded home to tell us more dulta rocknin from plan Inter- international ireland joins me this morning you're very welcome to the sunday grill thanks very much uh, before we talk backpacks tell us about plan international for people who might not know about the development and humanitarian organization Oh God, Plan, Plan International as a kind of a, a global organization as old, um, was set up in 1937 in, in okay. the middle of the, the Spanish Civil War as a as a fostering organization for, for children who were orphaned during that war. So I suppose the history and the origins of the organization resonate in many ways with the the, the current conflict in, in Ukraine at the moment. But I suppose over the last nearly, I suppose it's 85 years now, the organization has, has evolved, you know, it moved from being a fostering organization for, for Spanish children to, to doing similar in, in World War Two and then uh, becoming a, a, a sponsorship rather than a fostering organization mm-hmm. where people in, in countries like Ireland, the United States were able to, to sponsor children in originally in Europe and then started to move out into other countries across the world, working in, in the Philippines and Asia and then gradually across Africa and um, Latin America region as well and the last I suppose 20 years we've been much more a community development and a a humanitarian response organization responding to I suppose in my time in the organization since I've been in Plan Ireland like uh, earthquakes in Nepal the huge typhoon in the Philippines in 2013 the Ebola outbreak in West Africa and and various conflicts um, primarily in Africa but also dealing with the the fallout of the, the Syrian crisis as well. Okay and always on the ground trying to help children. Yes, the the primary objective of the organization really is a it's a, it's a child rights and, and equality for girls organization. Um, you know, whether it's in in the our long-term development programs or in a in a humanitarian crisis like we're seeing now, you know, the primary objective is for for those children to pr- to protect their rights um, to I suppose to provide the basic life-saving assistance and then um, whatever else is needed so they can do things like maintaining their education that they're protected from the from the impact of, of a conflict as well. Mm. So this is a story about 500 backpacks, a kit for children fleeing the conflict in Ukraine. Tell us about the backpacks. What's in them? Ah, uh, backpacks are like this. You know, my my colleague um, who's been working in our office in Dublin. Um, 
at the beginning of March, uh, when when this all started to unfold, um, she she joined the the wider Plan International team in Moldova to to set up the response over there. Um, and when she landed, she was immediately struck by the the situation for children who were crossing the border, but also impressed by the the support that the the Moldovan government was providing. And very quickly, they were letting the the Ukrainian children kind of integrate into the. The education system in Moldova, even though like uh, it was a very fast-moving and, and changing context, um, but she was talking to to the mayor of the the capital city, Chisinau, and one of the things she heard was like these these children they're arriving across the border, they're coming with very little, you know, they've had mm. to had to leave uh, their homes with their their mothers usually, their the fathers staying in Ukraine, you know, because there's the restriction on males between the age of 18 and 60, I think, from leaving the country because they're needed to, to stay and fight. So these children with the mothers usually that were in the country and arriving in Moldova with very little, you know, and then they're there to start school, but, you know, they don't have their school bags with to prioritise what they're able to, to carry, essentially. And so the mayor of Chisinau was asking Emilia, Look, what, what can Plan do? Um, you're here to, I suppose, to help these children and enable them to, to benefit from from the schools that are already in existence in Moldova, you know, and the one request that was coming from these children was, look, we go to school, but we need, you know, we need the school books, we need the, the paper, the pencils, the pens, you know, all of those things that we can, that so we can use and engage and learn, you know, and there's, there's a lot of other challenges um, engaging there, but, you know, initially it was it was 500 children that we were supporting but since then you know it's 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 a growing program mm. as well as we get more resources in place and we're able to to support more children over the last few weeks as well and are they specifically for primary school children it's primary school children initially but now we're we're looking at the working with the second school children as well but the primary school children are the ones that were the moldovan governments were able to integrate more easily into their system um Simply because the the alignment with the the curricula is much more straightforward, um, and the the basic learning, you know, it's numeracy, literacy, and so forth. As the the education for for secondary school children is a little bit more complicated as well. You need to get them into the right classes, um, so they can pick up where they've left off in Ukraine as well. Okay, so these primary school kids on the on the day they're going to school, which is moving very fast in Moldova, it sounds like they are going with the plan international backpacks and paper and pens all provided by mm-hmm. donations to Plan International Ireland. Yes, yes, that is correct. And, you know, if they're, they're kind of backpacks and, and materials that we've bought locally, you know, it's not like we're buying them here in Ireland and, and transporting them over. Um, like the funds that are raised here, it's the, the team in Moldova then that are, are are going to the shops and putting together the packs and, and getting them ready for the children so that they can go to school. And it's also a benefit as well to, you know, the, the local markets in, in Moldova, mm-hmm. the, the people in Moldova are under severe pressure. The government in Moldova is under a lot of pressure as well um, because they've got, I think, 300,000 refugees, more, nearly 400,000 now have arrived into Moldova. Some yeah. have left, passed through Moldova and out the other side as well, but there's over 100,000 still remaining. And the Moldovan government is providing cash support and for for each for every family that arrives and each moldovan family is you know offering offering their their accommodation for for ukrainian families to stay in and the moldovan government has given them a small stipend as well to help them cover the costs because you know it's not it's not easy um and you know we, we talk about the 
the numbers that have arrived here in Ireland. If you remember, Moldova is not as mm. economically strong as Ireland is, mm-hmm. but we're also seeing a far higher number of of Ukrainian families arriving into the country. So it's, it's more people and much less resources to to support the the needs of the Ukrainian refugees as well. So a lot of lot of different challenges in Moldova and per capita. They've seen the highest number of of refugees, even though the actual numbers are much bigger, say in Poland. But Moldova is a, a small country, okay. and the ratios are are higher there. Okay, well, a really practical way that Plan International is helping the Ukrainian invasion. And if you want to help the their Ukrainian appeal, you can go to Plan. .ie to donate. And is it still backpacks or are you doing other stuff now? Are you mainly concentrating on backpacks in Moldova? Oh, no, the, the, the backpacks is just it's just one part of the programme. Um, like there's like uh, one of the kind of conversations we've had with the, the Moldovan ambassador here in Ireland is around the support to, to Moldovan families and to Ukrainian families just for, for basic cash, you know, so that they can go and what they need themselves. They can make their own kind of shopping mm. decisions around around food and clothes rather than necessarily receiving what we think is, is best for them, mm-hmm. also providing cash to, to Ukrainian families. Mm-hmm. Then also one of the issues that we're seeing as well is, is children crossing the border who've seen war. They've seen things, you know, no child should ever really have to see. You know, and they've got a lot of invisible scars there. And we're working with local Moldovan organizations to, to provide um, psychological and psychosocial support to those children as well, um, because you know, the, the, the physical aspects are, are one issue, but the, the psychological ones, they can last a lifetime as well. You understand that early intervention is is very important in that case. Yes, of course. Well, Plan.ie is the website if you would like to support Plan International and what they are doing in the Ukraine. Dulta Rockneil from Plan International Ireland. Thanks a million for joining me this morning. No, thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. B102 and 03, it is time to talk movies and there was really only one movie we could review for the week that has gone by and that's the one that won all three categories that it was nominated in this year's Academy Awards, uh, the Oscar for Best Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor and Best Picture. It is, of course, Coda. Uh, It's available now on Apple Plus. In fact, it's the first time a streaming service has won a Best Picture Oscar, the Academy Awards top prize. Brian watched it. On your sofa, in your bed. On my sofa. On your sofa. Laid out prone or sitting up nicely, also looking at your phone, which I hope you didn't No, do. no, I was sitting on the sofa and I was talking into a leftover kebab. <laughs> and <laughs> Too much information. I think that's how they want, that's how the, they would have wanted you to watch it. Definitely. Yeah. You always need food when you're watching a movie, no matter where you're watching it. Okay, um, Coda... I've watched so many clips at this stage that I could actually tell you what it's about and the plot line. It's beautiful. It's beautifully shot, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. let's have a listen to um, a clip from Coda. This is the scene where Ruby meets her music teacher for the first time. You're the the girl with the deaf family. Everyone but you. Yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Are you any good? I don't know. Why did you run out of my class? I got scared. Of what? Other kids? Maybe. Or maybe finding out that I'm bad. Do you know what Bowie said about Bob Dylan? A voice like sand and glue. 
There are plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? I think so. Good. Then I'll see you in class. There you go. That is a scene from Coda. Um, and you heard there Amelia Jones as Ruby. And then uh, Eugenio Derbez as Mr. V, who's the high school choir director. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was going to be something completely different. And now I just see it's it's a, a lovely story. Yeah, it's it's very... It's very light. I mean, it's not like mm. it's not exactly one of those stories. It's like, yeah, they, they end up taking over the world. It's just about a girl living in a deaf family who's not deaf herself and who decides to pursue singing. Okay. Which, yeah, as you might think, they can't hear. So it's yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's like they're they're kind of not and supportive. They've no of real her. interest. Yeah, then, they've no support. Yeah. They're not. There's no real support for her because they can't really Understand. tell. Like, mm. yeah, do you know? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought it was like. It started off well, and then it kind of like it's it's not. No, I have a problem with movies where there's a lot of staring, like doing constant stares. Mm. But with Very the with the yeah, constant staring. But with the with the like with the sign language, you're constantly having to pay attention because, like, otherwise you don't hear what's going on. You yeah. have to read the subtitles of what's going on. So it is one of those things where it's like you you are always paying attention to everything that ha- that happens because you can't look away because you might actually miss something that's going on. Okay, some really heavy-hitting actors in this. Um, the most notable being Marley Martin, who plays Jackie Ruby's mother, who has already won an Oscar yeah. and was the youngest person, I think, to win a Best Actress at the time. She was just 18. It was for Children of a Lesser God. The big name that I kind of saw, that like I didn't hear anything about people like saying that was in it, was Ferdia Welsh Pilo. Who okay. was in Sing Street? He was the main character in Sing Street. Ah, very good. So I don't know. It's it's weird that nobody has has talked about the fact that there's a there's an Irish person in the Best Picture winner. So like, and he's a he's a pretty big character in it. Okay. Um, who does he play in it? He plays Miles, who's kind of the love ah, interest yes. in it. Okay. So like, in, when it comes to that like choir, that's the reason he's the reason that she originally joins the choir is because she sees him signing up for choir. And sees him. I know. Yeah. Can you see how this won the Best Picture? I, I can and I can't. Like it's. It's one of those movies where there's like there's some nice moments in it. Like Tony Kotzer, who won Best Supporting Actor, I thought was brilliant in it. I thought he was definitely like deserving of like accolades. You know, I, I don't I'd maybe like an argument could be made maybe Best Supporting Actor. Who knows? But like I thought he was really really good, and mm. I think he was probably my favorite character in the movie. Like you know, um, Best Picture. I feel like it's like it's not even there's not really even much hype about it now. You yes, know? and normally and it's, like, it's available, you know, right now in your sitting room been, if you yeah. want to go see it. Like yeah. I, I've been trying to like I've I've been crazy now the last couple of weeks. So I've been trying to watch as many of the movies that are coming out as I can, but I was never really. I was kind of hoping this wouldn't win because then I wouldn't have to watch it. You know, because <laughs> it's one of those movies where it's just I was just not like I was not enticed to watch it at all. You know, mm. it's one of those things that you know, like Oscar movies like. There, there's cultural impacts from them, and it's like okay, and like that's really interesting. Like there definitely is for like the the deaf community. It's one of those things that's really representative mm. of. But but as a story goes, as a story goes, it, it's kind of a there's kind of a lot of elements of other stories in it. Mm. So like there's like there's there's a part of it where she, like she, as she as as a singer emerges because she's able like she sings happy birthday really well right mm, saw that so there's I've a, seen many clips now yeah so <laughs> there's 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 a there's a joke because of the the elephant in sing there's a joke online that like she sings happy birthday really well and kind of takes over the entire thing okay. and that's all i could think of 
when she sang happy birthday. I'd say you were the only uh, person thinking that. Yeah, and oh yeah, the connection to the, the 2016 animated movie Sing. But um, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, it's not really like they could have chosen a different song just to just to completely differentiate from it, like you know. But it's just about a girl finding her voice, and like it's it's a nice movie, like you know. But it's really one of those movies where I I. I'm going to struggle to find somebody to talk to about it, do you know? Okay. You can talk to me because I'm going to go home and watch it. Are you going to go home and watch yeah, it? Yeah, it just seems like real easy Sunday afternoon watching. Yeah. I'm kind of glad it is on streaming because I feel like it's not a cinema movie. Yes. That makes sense. It is, a, it is a TV movie. It looks like it could be a cinema on a rainy afternoon movie, maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not, it's not like after. a Friday night, okay, what we go see, like, okay, get all the gang together and we'll go in and watch. It's, 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 it's not that even that slow, it's just... Not a, a crazy story, do you know? Yeah, and I suppose if you took the element of her family being deaf, apart from her out of it, it is a very, you know, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, girl joins choir because a boy. Yeah, they, they sing together. She becomes a great singer, you know? It's, yeah, it's cause they, been they, done before. They reference, they reference Glee and say, you know, uh-huh. like, are you in it because like you, you can sing or you've just seen too many episodes of Glee? And it's kind of like, now that they've brought up Glee, kind of like, it is kind of like a long Glee yeah. episode, really. Okay. If if that makes sense. What are you going to give it black pudding wise? Um, I think like seven and a half. Okay. Like it's 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 a good movie. Like it's not it's not like I watched it and I enjoyed it. And there was there was one moment now that I thought was really nice. But apart from that, I'm kind of just like, cool. Do you know? Okay. All I mean, right. It's it's not it's not one of those movies where you're like it's like on on par with like the Godfather in terms of because that like that's what it should be compared to now mm. because it's on the same accolade yeah, level like you know one best picture and it, what would you like to see win there was Belfast Coda Don't Look Up Drive My Car which won best international movie yeah. Dune have you seen King Richard I've seen King Richard I thought King Richard was pretty good yeah but, I'm definitely going to watch that um, as well it's, The Power of the Dog yeah West Side Story West Side Story I think could have and maybe should have won it mm. obviously I was a big fan of Don't Look Up but I don't think it's an Oscar type movie, so I understand if how that wouldn't. But maybe West Side Story. True. I'm going to sit down and watch King Richard, Coda, and I'm going to watch um, the best international film, Drive My Car. Drive That's My Car. Really yeah. interesting. That's on movie well. if if you want to watch it. Okay. As well, so. Good stuff. I'm actually almost watched that as well myself. Brilliant. Let's so do we, that. We can discuss that. Sometime. But in the meantime, Coda is available right now on Apple TV. It is seven and a half black puddings from R. Brian. Harsh, do you think? We will the Academy would probably say so. <laughs> the Academy would be very annoyed Will Smith at might you. have something to say about it. Yes, well, the less we say about that, the better. Thanks a million. <laughs> no bother at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.